0: Do not let what I'm about to say dissuade you from getting cyber liability insurance. (laughs) But what we see more and more in this area is those carriers have been paying out for years. So you're seeing them constrict now. They don't want to pay out as much. And so there's a lot more requirements on businesses. Part of that is contractual requirements. Do you have privacy and security requirements in your contract? Mm -hmm. Conversely, have you obligated yourself beyond what you would normally be obligated under common law, in which case we may not cover you on that? So- Now it's not just reading the contract, but it's reading the contract, lining it up with the technology, understanding how the business works and making sure we haven't run afoul of our insurance requirements.
1: Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. With everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders, With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap, through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E-G-R-O-U-N-D.io. Now on to the episode.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. I'm Adam Moore, joined today by my other favorite co-host, Matt Cucicello. And in today's episode, we're joined by Rebecca Rakowski, co-founder and managing partner at X-Pan Law Partners, a boutique domestic and international data privacy and cybersecurity law firm. Rebecca counsels and defends public and private corporations, their boards during data breaches and responds to state and federal regulatory compliance and enforcement actions. As an experienced litigator, Rebecca has handled hundreds of matters in state and federal courts. Rebecca skillfully manages the intersection of state, federal, and international regulations that affect the transfer, storage, and collection of data to aggressively mitigate her client's litigation risks. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. It's so glad, so good to have you on with us today. Um and I'd like to thank you for one of the more tongue tying intros I've ever done on this show in three years of recording.
0: I do my best, Adam. Thank you for having <laughs> me. I'll try. To, if I'm ever invited back, I'll try to come up with something even more creative. For that would for be you.
2: amazing. And with all of your experience, I think that is a, a definite probability that you will be back with.
3: Very this high, very so high probability. <laughs> I,
2: I am going to start my linguistics exercises now to make sure that I am ready for that challenge when it comes my way.
0: There you go. Excellent. Got to keep so, you on your toes. Yes, as
2: somebody does around here. That's for sure. And you always have ever since we met each other. So I, I try
3: to as well, Adam. Yeah, you know, the whole, the whole team does
2: a great job of like, how can we keep Adam popping today? So it's good stuff. It is good stuff. So Rebecca, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background in the legal world and kind of how you've come up with this experience in the cybersecurity industry? Because I mean, these are, some, these are some heavy hitting issues. Right. And I think a lot of people only think that big corporates have to have these type of lawyers and this type right. of mitigation and and this type of, of protection, if you will. So kind of I'd love to hear some more about your background.
0: Sure. So um I am an attorney for mm, several yeah. decades now.
2: Understood. Uh-huh. Um mm-hmm. an, an undisclosed um, amount of years.
0: <laughs> an undisclosed amount of years, yes. Let's just say experienced, I try to do incidental. Um, Perfect. but, um, yeah, so I've been, uh, I, I, worked for a large regional firm for, um, a long time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and about five years ago, I started my own practice, um, focusing on cybersecurity and data privacy. Basically, um, I had been working, uh, handling a lot of like major technology, uh, litigation matters at, at you know, in, in, my, I'll call it my former life. Um, and, um, you know, we, I handled all of their electronic discovery cases. Um, I actually helped to draft the New Jersey state, um, the court rules for the New Jersey uh, court system in their complex litigation for e- e-discovery.
3: Wow. Um,
0: and, uh, yeah, that was fun. And <laughs> we, uh, you know, the, uh, certain things came up. You know, we would see, you know, data loss. We would be looking at issues of spoliation and things like that. And it really started me thinking about how important, you know, cybersecurity and data privacy really is for businesses. And so um, about five years ago, I said, you know what, this is something I want to do and only want to do that. It's not really there's a lot of large firms that have data privacy and cybersecurity groups. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they do cybersecurity and data privacy and they do IP law or they do cybersecurity and data privacy and they do like bankruptcy. I mm-hmm. only do cybersecurity and data privacy. It's not really an area where you can dabble. So I decided to start my own b- boutique firm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um we did that without a single client. We walked out the door, you know, on our own and and basically built our firm from the ground up. Right. Um and it was it's been an incredible experience to do that. Um both from a business perspective and and otherwise, but um yeah, so that's how I kind of started out. Well, I started out a long time ago, but that's how I ended
3: up here, I
2: guess. <laughs> that's how we right. got here. Right. 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 The short story, uh, <laughs> the Actus Reyes kind of story. Uh, and you know what? That's awesome, too, because, you know, a lot of our listeners on this show obviously are small and medium businesses who did the, mm-hmm. the same thing. Right. It's like, I see a need and I can do this and just kind of walked out on faith and was like, here we go. Right. Yep. So that's awesome. That keeps in the spirit yeah. of a, of the show yeah, um, for sure.
3: Yeah. Rebecca, how do law and cybersecurity sort of go hand in hand? And, and I'm wondering this, too, from the perspective of knowing that the context in terms of cybersecurity changes all the time. Technology oh, is is changing constantly. So I'm, I'm assuming the threats are also changing constantly as well. But legal structures seem to not move quite as quickly. So how, how do you how do you carve out that niche and how do you work in this space?
0: So are you saying the law moves slowly, Matt? I don't understand. <laughs> well, it, um, it yeah. doesn't right? <laughs> <laughs> um so you know it's interesting because when I first started uh my own practice, people would say to me, like, Well, what is a lawyer doing in technology? And right. I would say to them, Where why isn't a lawyer involved in cybersecurity uh-huh. and data privacy? Because All of this is, uh, everything we talk about, the the threats and everything, they exist, right? They're always going to exist, that's not gonna go away. But how do businesses work within the confines of the law? Because really what's happening and what we're seeing in the legal space, if you will, in this area, is that the laws are rushing to keep up with the technology as you you astutely pointed out, right? Like technology is changing at warp speed and the laws are not changing at warp speed, they can't. That's not how our system is really designed. Right, um, right. So what we see is the law is rushing to catch up, but it's really about that data that th- these businesses are collecting. And that's going to tell mm-hmm. you what laws are impacting your business. Um, and so if you don't have a lawyer involved in your cybersecurity and data privacy, you're really you're missing out on, like, I would say a good three quarters of your your issues. People Mm -hmm. think it's a tech issue. They always go, it's technology, it's technology, it's technology. It's really not. It's really a legal issue because what happens when the technology doesn't work or somebody makes a mistake is that somebody gets sued or you, you you know, and so now what are the laws, right? Right. And so that's why. That's why we're here. I mean, and that's why we do what we do on, a, you know, every single day, because the laws now are catching up and they're changing. Every state right. has different laws and there's international laws and state and federal, and it's very um, complicated. And so you really need to be able to kind of parse that out and figure out how it all fits together.
2: You know, I think that's, that's awesome because what a lot of people don't realize too, is you need to also be very aware of what those laws are when you're negotiating your contracts with firms, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, yeah, you guys can't see it cause this is a podcast, but you see the look I just got from Rebecca, <laughs> like, duh, uh, I because...
0: it's, it's, it's only verbal.
2: I keep um, telling people I have a face for podcasts. That's why I'm here. Um, well, you give know...
0: a voice for them, Adam. I'll have to well, get thank you, you. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Uh, because when I was negotiating contracts for a very large bank, uh, based here in the Southeast, right. I was negotiating our Microsoft EA. And I remember in, and, and trust me, if, if a group has lawyers, a bank's got lawyers right (laughs) but we had to bring in we had to bring in a cybersecurity expert lawyer who specialized in microsoft enterprise agreements i'm like you exist right now this guy came out of silicon valley but what i didn't realize i learned quickly is the whole data at resting the whole data at resting still blows my mind right because our our bylaws say that our data can't travel outside the contiguous 48 states Right. But if you're using Microsoft and it's in the cloud and stuff's going every which way, but, you know, loose, it could hit Mexico before it comes back into L.A., before it comes back across and out of Canada. And now it's finally in your New York office. Right. But we're like, yeah, yeah no, it, it can't do that. And you have to give us guarantees. Right. And of course, Microsoft wants to come back and go, you can't guarantee that. Our lawyer comes in and goes, eh, BS, you can. Mm-hmm. Right. And, that, and so I think that's another thing And I know. You know, can you talk to a little bit about that is the importance of. Knowing the niche laws and and it moving quickly and trying to keep up with the the speed of technology, but just in that making sure you got a good lawyer on hand that can read that contract and understand what you're about to commit yourself to.
0: Yeah, I mean the they, the expression is the devils in the details, and oh, the man. contract are the are the details yeah. of the details, right? right. And- if you don't, I, I see contracts as a matter of fact, a lot, large part of my, people talk about my litigation practice because it's the exciting thing to talk about, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's more fun. Right. Exactly. Um, but those the, are all the
2: juicy stories that we get to hear about later. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, but it's the contracts where, you know, you're really, you're getting into the nitty gritty. You're, mm-hmm. you know, I read contracts all day long. I'm editing contracts. One of my um, clients jokes with the, any vendor who comes to us and he's like, I apologize in advance. Our, our, lawyer has a vicious red pen it's not that i have a vicious red pen it's that your lawyer doesn't know how to draft the darn thing and i'm gonna fix it right because i'm not gonna <laughs> right, find, my client exactly. find something right right but but you know those and those security and privacy provisions are becoming very complicated they yes. and and whereas five ten years ago they were there but no one was really paying attention now like you said adam I get brought in just to read those provisions in the contracts, just to advise my clients on those provisions, because they're going to be the really important provisions. if there's a data breach, if there's a a data incident. What does that incident mean? Does it rise to the level of a legally reportable breach? If it doesn't rise to to that level uh, under common law, am I going to have to do it under contract law? Mm -hmm. And so there's, like I said, there's a lot of moving parts and making sure that you really take your time and pull those contracts apart and understand all those elements is right. I mean,
2: exactly. <laughs> it's because important is
0: like, you know, yes, understatement. the understatement
2: <laughs> of, of this show, because <laughs> then you start rising. Cause you are talking about rising to the level of, right. Mm-hmm. Because if you get over on the contractual side, now all of a sudden you can find yourself in indemnification.
0: Right. Exactly. Really and quickly. the other issue and what I see a lot now is that, you know, people have, cyber liability insurance.
2: Everybody, mm-hmm. I right. tell my
0: clients, go get cyber liability insurance. Go get insurance. it. It's important, right? Oh my
2: goodness, yes. And
0: do not let what I'm about to say dissuade you from getting cyber liability insurance. <laughs> but what we see more and more in this area is those carriers have been paying out for years. So you're right. seeing them constrict now. They don't want to pay out as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot more requirements on businesses. Part of that is contractual requirements. Do you have privacy and security requirements in your mm-hmm. contracts? Right. And Conversely, have you obligated yourself beyond what you would normally be obligated under common law, in which case we may not cover you on that. So now it's not just reading the contract, but it's reading the contract, lining it up with the technology, understanding how the business works and making sure we haven't run afoul of our insurance um, requirements. I mean, right. to say that I don't sleep is, you know, hmm. another that's sec- understatement number two of this. Like,
3: <laughs> Well, yeah. So I'm I'm listening to you and I am thinking about our small business owner audience members who are who are listening mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about how a lot of what you're saying I think probably might feel beyond their capacity as a small business and yet as part of their growth strategy they are obviously trying to get contracts with bigger companies where they right. need to have they need to have an awareness of this they really need to have they really need to be your client um <laughs> If they can't, Happy
0: afford-
3: if- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Afford to be, or or if that feels like it's out of their capacity, what should small business owners be doing at minimum to protect themselves? Are there free resources? Are is there a checklist that you would kind of take us through?
0: So, first of all, I would say the whole reason I started my firm was because I recognized that large law firms were doing this, but they were, I mean, much cash much carry right like there's a mm-hmm. lot they have to carry mm-hmm. we're actually a small business we're intentionally that way we started right. that way i have no i i want to stay nimble because this area of the law moves too quickly to be right a cruise ship right we're a right. speedboat right. the other thing is i did this so that we i could have clients who were smaller businesses who said mm-hmm. like i really need help in this area and so when and I have, like, I have small startups all the way to big multinational corporations are are my clients.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and the benefit of that is, first of all, I see a whole different a bunch of different aspects of what is happening, both at the large, medium, small business, and so I right. can really advise my clients very well because I see different problems. And every time I see a new problem, I'm like, "Whoop, we're going to shut that door and contractually," or "Whoop, we're going to fix that," you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's really a benefit, but. Um, you know, small businesses, first of all, need to realize they're going to be out of business if they don't focus on this area. So right. don't be afraid of it. Find resources that can help you. And to that end, one is, I'm like I said, we are intentionally not a gigantor, right? We are small mm-hmm. for, uh, for a very good reason. It's because we want to be able to help small businesses when we can. Um, the other thing is there are free resources for the technology pieces of this, right? you right. can go to NIST and the National Institutes of Standard yep. and Technology. You can go to the FTC yep. has a has a small business framework. Mm-hmm. It's going to help you on the tech side, but like I said at the beginning, this isn't always it's not it's never just a tech problem. Right. So you have to really make sure that you can you can address all of these other issues that are going to pop up, your policies, your procedure your procedures, your, your contracts, your insurance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Yes, there are resources out there, but I would be very wary of anyone. Don't go out and try to do it on your own. I guess find right. resources that can help you in your price point because we're out there and we we can absolutely help people with that.
2: That's so great. That, is, so that great. is that is awesome. So, I mean, how how are small businesses kind of uniquely at risk, right? So we may it, again to Matt's point, we got small and medium businesses, you know, that listen to our show. And they may sit there and go, you know, I don't think th- I'm a risk, right? I get it. Somebody <laughs> might try to get my personal bank account, but I don't think I'm a risk. This is kind of beyond what I do, right? And like I used to tell people when I when I was negotiating for the bank, it's like, I don't care if you're selling me toilet paper or a new back-end <laughs> accounting system. I'm going to treat you like you can take down an entire bank in a blink of an eye, and you're going to have to convince me you can't, yeah. right? Yeah. So how are small businesses, though, uniquely at risk for these cybersecurity issues, like data breaches and network hacks, right? I mean, let's just take, for example, we can talk about, what was it, Equifax, right? Mm-hmm. Last year, that was a Microsoft upgrade. When well, I'm not trying to pick on Microsoft, folks, I know it sounds like it. I don't have a <laughs> bone to pick with them, I promise. They just happen to be the largest gorilla in this space. Um, it, an up, A non-updated computer that nobody knew anybody was using that was being used by, I think, a third party that was supposed to be doing the upgrades, mm-hmm.
0: right?
3: Right.
2: And uh, yet Equifax is like, oh, crap, right? Yeah. So, and then their third party is sitting there going like, oh, crap, because it was their their responsibility to monitor that machine. So that makes sense. But kind of how are some of our small businesses at risk that maybe they're not thinking about, right? What should be keeping them up at night, as we like to say?
0: Right. So first of all, small businesses, I hear it all the time. They think they're going to rely on their technology. I have a good mm-hmm. firewall. I have a good right. IT provider. Right. And I'm like, you're missing 95% of this, but okay. <laughs> um, no, they're the, sm- they're the low hanging fruit, right? I mean, for, for lack of a better way of putting it, they're the low hanging right. fruit and hackers right. don't care. They don't oh. care if you're a big, I mean, they like the big companies, right? But they're mm-hmm. just as happy to steal money from a small company as they are to right. steal it from a big company. Yep. Um, they're just as happy to steal their data. Those companies, you know, lawyers are fall into this category. They're like, oh, me nobody wants me like why would they have right. me law, right. law firms get attacked all the time sure um accounting firms everybody does the right. the bottom line is is that this is a problem that is never going to go away unless yeah. you move to a mountaintop in montana and you're completely off the grid which means you're not right. doing business with any of these larger companies right no right um so what i would say to small businesses first of all don't ignore this because if you right. ignore it you're going to go out of business you're not going to be around right. Um, Because they will find you and they will get you. Right. right? Um, The other thing is, I would say, don't (laughs) this isn't a meal you can eat in one sitting. Okay. so. Yeah, good point. Creating, finding professionals that can help you and creating a roadmap and a plan to get you to where you need to be. Mm -hmm. You may not get there in a month. You Mm -hmm. maybe can't afford to get there in a month, but that's okay. You know, the point is to build on things and to and to adapt and incrementally get there once. Right. And and by the way, there is no <laughs> no pun intended. There is no there there. OK, right. Right. Um, <laughs> right. this is going to be something you work on all the time. And yep. that's fine, too. Um, and I another thing that small businesses say to me or businesses in general, like, well, this isn't my job. This isn't. No cybersecurity isn't your job, but it is your responsibility. And it's something that everybody in the business has to be bought in. Otherwise, because one bad apple is going to sink that, you know, is going to destroy the whole thing. It really works that way in cybersecurity because hackers only need one. Right. And you need to defend a multitude of surfaces um, from a technological perspective. And you need to defend as reference the prior statement about insurance and contracts and Mm -hmm. you know um you need to defend a multitude of legal services as well Mm -hmm. and so that's the it so for small businesses what i tell them all the time is find a professional that you like and you can work with because you're going to be with them for a while
2: Mm -hmm. oh yeah um,
0: and build out the program and once you build it out you will you will sleep better at night which will be, you know, you'll be able to get the cyber liability insurance. You'll be able, your contracts will be shored up. I mean, the it's, but it's a, it's a process. It's, it's not, it just isn't one, two, three, and you're done.
2: Right. Right. You never sit down and go up oh, mission complete. I am cyber secure <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah. Next you never issue.
3: Word, in other words.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Right. It's well, true too. Yeah. yeah.
2: Right. But, but kind of give us an idea. And maybe I jumped on Matt's question because he and I think alike. <laughs> I, think, I think we're going to ask the same thing. Excellent. Excellent. And like you said, right, you see a you have a broad spectrum of clients, right? Mm-hmm. But what are some of the common legal issues that you're seeing your small businesses get entangled in as it revolves around cybersecurity, right? I mean, what does that kind of look like? I think people have said to go, Yo, OK, I got hackers, but I really want to hear about this legal part of it.
0: Right. So breach of contract is a huge mm. issue um, that they have. The other thing you see a lot of um, you know, aside from that, a lot of lawsuits against the small businesses, they have the breach, right? Right. And I always say b- businesses are attacked twice. They're attacked once when they're hacked into, and then yep. they're attacked twice because they get sued. Um, oh, I like that. and it's not just the lawsuits. It's also the regulators who come in, depending on which industry you're in. I mean, Adam, you, mm-hmm. you know, banking industry, you're going to, oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're going to, there's a lot of oversight. Oh,
2: you're target one. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it doesn't matter, like big, small, medium, they're all looking at you. Oh
2: yeah. Um,
0: But healthcare businesses, um, you know, and even just mom and pop shops who are just, you know, selling various products, you know, it really doesn't matter. The regulators are there, the, and then the lawsuits are there. And those are the, those are the things. And what I, I guess the biggest thing I see is, you know, it's expensive. Mm. If you are, if you're breached, it's, you know. And even if you have insurance nowadays, it's so quick to go through it. And so the best thing I can tell small businesses is the more proactive you are, the better off you are in the long run, because you're going to create, you know, the lawsuit comes in. We didn't do that. They didn't do this and they didn't do that. And if you can say, I did this and I did that, then guess what? They don't have a lawsuit. No lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to get sued. It just means that when (laughs) I go to court to defend you. Mm -hmm. You're in a, what I would say, what I tell my clients is I can't stop you from getting sued, but I can put you in a legally defensible position. Right. So when, when that happens, you can go to court or more accurately, I can go to court and I can say, there's nothing to see here. They right. didn't do anything wrong. They right. were evicted.
3: Yeah. Yeah. What, what does remediation look like for someone who, a business owner who didn't have any sort of legal structure in any of their contracts who who Mm -hmm. didn't do what they need to do. And then there's a data breach. Um, And and I'll I'll be honest, part of the reason why I'm asking this question, first of all, I'm asking this question because you're the person I need to be asking this question, but (laughs) a very close friend of mine is a small business owner and her her entire business, everything got hacked about two months Mm. ago. And so yeah. her ability to, to sell, her ability to work has ground to a halt. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she's looking around trying to figure out, well, what do I do now? Right. Um,
0: so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, couple of things. One is it depends, <laughs> typical lawyer answer. It depends. Here we go. Yes. It depends. Uh, you know, it was happening, Adam. <laughs> like, you know, it was coming out there. somewhere. I,
2: I totally um, did. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, But it it does. It depends. And it depends on what was the nature of the data breach. Is Mm -hmm. it again? I mean, we talked about this before a reportable breach. So for those of you who aren't like legal cyber nerds like myself, you have a data incident. But unless you meet the statutory requirements in every jurisdiction in which you are collecting data. So we were Matt and I were talking about this before we Mm -hmm. started the podcast. I live in New Jersey. If our call got hacked, the podcast got hacked today, you have to follow New Jersey law for me, Florida law for Matt, like those types of things. So if you're a business, you may be, and especially if you're an online business, you could be collecting data from a multitude of states. So first of (laughs) all, do I have a legally reportable breach? Um, What type of incident do I have? Is it ransomware? like where you're locked out of your system and you can't access your data mm-hmm. is it just that they ex- they took data out they exfiltrated data and now they're selling it on the dark web or wherever they're you know the hackers the you know one-stop shop is for those guys
1: mm-hmm. um
0: you know so it kind of depends on what you're dealing with um but from a business perspective you know they should be calling contacting their cyber broker or cyber insurance carrier getting those people there's cyber forensic people that can help out with those t- kinds of things. Um, but what I will say is the first call, and I don't mean to be glib, but it should be to your lawyer because right. the lawyer needs to set up these relationships to protect the attorney client privilege. Cause right. there is going to be a lot of legal decisions that come out of a data breach. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have to report? What is our obligation to report? Do I have to report to a federal agency? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. All of those things are going to really um, be driven by, I go back to it, the data that we collect. and so what right. are the laws that my data is triggering? and then how does that work? But it's I don't envy her, and I feel I Oof. feel really bad. It's, yeah. it's it's horrible. and i've I've literally been on the phone with small businesses and they're like we're gonna go out of business, and I, I don't know how to tell them. I, I hope to I hope that is not the case with your friend. Um, but I hate to say, but a lot of times that's in fact the case because they have no they don't have any padding on right,
2: right. And, they're so lean. Yeah. There's nothing there. Yep. Oh, There's, man. Oh, man. sad. So, you know, thinking about that and right, some of these clients you're talking about, what are some of the common mistakes that you're seeing with these business owners, right? Maybe they're coming in consult. You, you know, you've either they've had the breach. and You're like, oh, you should have done X, Y, and Z. They're coming mm-hmm. to you for a consult, that type of thing. And, you know, I, I, hopefully we've kind of instilled the fear of all things cyber to our listeners <laughs> because really, intru- I, but the same thing for big corporates, right? I know plenty of people in big mm-hmm. corporate America that need to have the fear of cyber put in them too. Yeah. Honestly, but what are some things like they can start looking at right away? they're like, I get it. I'm going to try to find a lawyer, but like, I want to start looking at stuff right now because I get it. I get it. I get it. So what are some things that they can start looking at well, again, the low hanging fruit uh, just to even, you know, start down that, the you know, that long path.
0: Right. So the first thing I would say is understanding your data is going to be really important. Um, because that's going to drive everything else. So mm-hmm. one thing they can start doing is under, to understanding what what where is my data coming from? What am I actually collecting? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the best data is the data you don't collect, right? Because mm-hmm. I see a lot of times, and this happens a lot with small companies. They're like, oh, I can get analytics and I can get this information. And gimme, 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 right? I can take it oh. all in. And then what happens is you go, what are you doing with this? And they say, we're not doing anything with it. So Mm -hmm. you just have the bomb sitting in your office waiting to explode. Um, And and that's literally what that data is. It is a bomb waiting to explode because Mm -hmm. you have a liability sitting in your system and you're not even doing anything with it. Right. right? And I haven't even touched on privacy laws yet. That's, that's a whole other issue, which I think, you know, because there's laws in and around that data now, privacy laws uh, at the state level, but that's number one, what is the mm-hmm. data that you're collecting? What are you doing with it? What do you need? And what can you get rid of? Right? To get rid of the stuff you don't need? Because if you if it's not there, and you're not using it. You know, I, I tend to follow the the year the year rule, if you, the data has been sitting there for a year, and you haven't looked at it, chances mm-hmm. are you don't really need it, right? You can, if it's something that you need to keep, you can archive it and encrypt it. Um. So those are kinds of the things I would I mean, for small businesses, I would say, get a good tech provider to help you with the tech piece and mm-hmm. get a good legal team or a lawyer to help you with the legal piece and make sure they're talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Because if your tech guy isn't speaking the law and the law, the lawyer isn't speaking the tech, you're going to have a huge issue. So those are two exactly. I think they can start with right away.
2: That's great. Awesome.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That is awesome. And, and that's the, that's the thing, right. That we try to have on the show all the time. It's like, you can't fix it right away, but where are some things you can start with? How do you start thinking about it? How do you start getting your head yeah. around it? Right. And so that is great. Thank you.
3: Mm-hmm. So I know you said, Rebecca, that that the horizon is something you'll always be chasing in this field. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there even just a provisional kind of definition for what justice looks like to you um, when it comes to the kind of cases you see? or mm-hmm. or preventative justice even like really keeping things keeping companies safe.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think for me justice is more of like a criminal concept than more than a civil and I am dealing mostly mm-hmm. in the civil civil realm. Um sure. there are obviously is aspects of justice with civil liability or civil rights and things like that. We're We're right. people, but that's, that's right. not what I'm talking about. Um what I will say is that to me the best thing in terms of justice is a company that can protect itself right Mm. that knows what it's doing that takes these proactive steps because those are the people who are going to put themselves and frankly their customers and clients they're going to be protecting their rights too so you know you're really um Mm. those companies are going to i mean have justice i mean that it's such an amorphous concept something i think we're all chasing constantly right but it's Mm -hmm. it's not really it's not something that i would necessarily talk about in terms of cybersecurity and data privacy what i would say is for companies who are looking to work on their privacy and security they should be focused on proactivity that's the word that they need to be repeating to themselves over and over again what can i be doing to prevent this because what i will say is once you enter the field of battle and to me the field of battle is the courtroom right Right. you've lost the war already because i don't i don't want to be taking Mm. my client into a courtroom i don't want to be putting them in front of a jury i don't want somebody else deciding their fate i want to decide i want to help them decide what do they want what is their Mm -hmm. where do they want to go with their business this is something they need to do it's something they need to to invest in because it's important um and it it will complement them their whole way the whole way through the life cycle of their business but Um, You don't want to be in a courtroom letting somebody else decide your fate. You want to decide your own fate. And if you're going to decide your own fate, you're going to take a proactive stance on this, because otherwise you're just kind of feeding yourselves and all of your customers, clients, et cetera, to the wolves. Yeah.
2: Wow. I think that was a very powerful. (laughs) No, that was a very powerful way to put that. That is awesome. You know, because I think a lot of times we just feel like we're, you know, the ship being tossed about on the, you know, the waves. But that is definitely a proactive thing that you can do to say. You know, so essentially, I'm not going to be a victim of this. Right. right? And that's exactly. great. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Nobody I likes to it. sit there and, and, you know, let the train roll over them. Not, no, dr- no, drive your own train,
2: drive your own train. And I love that, too. And I hope everybody heard that, too. If you have to go into the courtroom, you've already lost the case. I mean, you've yeah. kind of, you've already lost the battle. That's amazing thing. You know, that's that that's kind of puts it in perspective, I think
0: let's be clear i don't typically lose battles like in but, I, no yeah. no i'm not saying you <laughs> I, i'm no, talking but, about I, your peers no, yeah i mean right course, mm. everybody else but me. um mm-hmm. no but i mean it's true because you know you really are putting your fate in the hands of somebody else and yep. that's not what i want yep. for my clients i want them to be the masters of their own destiny
2: exactly so. oh i love that i love that well Rebecca, thank you so much for being part of our show today this has been eye-opening i know uh you know, Matt and I have to live in the cybersecurity world all the time. I know you live in the cybersecurity world all the time, but I think this has been some fantastic information. I hope our listeners were taking notes. Vital
3: information, indeed.
2: Vital. Yeah. And after you're done listening to this episode, hit rewind and listen to this episode again. It was that good. <laughs> uh, and so thank you. Thank you so much for being part of us today. And guys, be sure to connect with all of us on LinkedIn. We're all out there. That's at Chloe Goodry Reed, at Matt Colicello at Adam A. Moore and at Rebecca Rakowski. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out our previous shows and stay tuned for next time. Talk to y'all later. Thank you so
3: much, Rebecca.